Good morning, world. And I say good morning. It is 5 a.m. on Wednesday, June 9th. We're doing this early. Well, at least we're starting early. Don't know when this is going to officially come out, you know, after editing. Got a lot of stuff to talk about in the intro, so we'll see what happens there. But happy to have you listen to Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I am your host, Brandon LaChance. We are in episode 177. Lots of awesomeness in this episode. Our guest is Sergeant Doug Burcham. Spent 29 and a half years on the Spring Valley Police Department. Did a lot of great stuff for the Illinois Valley and Spring Valley. He was in the military. He has done a lot with his life. And he shared a lot of cool stories with us at Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Had to share it with you. This is going to be a great guest, great show. Also on this episode, IHSA postseason full-fledged right now. We got everything going on. Baseball, softball, boys tennis, girls track, all in sectionals right now. Boys track sectionals start today, June 9th, Wednesday. Woo! Lots of stuff going on. I love it. I love it. Thank you to whoever you send thanks to, whether it's God, another higher power, whatever you believe in, that we're actually having sports happen. We're actually having playoffs, a state tournament in these sports. It's awesome. Great to talk about. Great to be involved with. It is amazing. Let's do the plugs real quick and then we'll start breaking some things down. Again, I'm your host, Brandon LaChance. I'll say it twice because there's some episodes I don't say it at all. So let's go a third time. Brandon LaChance, I'm your host. You can catch this podcast on Spotify Apple Podcast and our website www.rss.com backslash podcasts. That's plural with an S backslash edge of your seat podcast. Hit us up on social media Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, Twitter, Edge of Your CP. Have to give a big shout out to Brian Cavelli, the master producer of the intro and outro beat. For Edge of Your Seat podcast. Like I said, IHSA postseason has the pedal to the metal right now, going full scale every day, all day. There's some amazing games going on. Thanks to WLPO FM 103.9 and WLPO AM 1220, I was able to be at the Class 2A Baseball Regional Championship between top-seeded Hall and number 5 Marquette on Monday at Kirby Park in Spring Valley. I did the broadcast with Jeremy Aiken. He's a friend. He's a mentor. He is great on the radio, teaching me some things. Every time I'm there, I'm not only talking and trying to be as funny as I can be on color, but I'm listening to him and trying to pick up tidbits of knowledge and things to improve my radio game. So big shout out to Jeremy Aiken, everything that he helps me with. And we had a great broadcast. I think we're a pretty good partnership. Batman and Robin, I have no issues being Robin when it comes to Jeremy Aiken being Batman. Marquette got the W, 13-8. Man, this game was awesome. It was exactly what we thought it was going to be. The anticipation for this game after Friday's regional semifinals, man, 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 
Everybody wanted to see this game. It was a rematch of a game earlier in the season where Hall did win. Marquette evens the score. Sort of. Actually, they got the better of the score, being that this was a postseason, and they sent Hall packing. Their season's over. The Crusaders moving on. The game was delayed an hour and a half because of lightning. There really wasn't any rain. I think about the fifth or sixth inning, you saw a couple umbrellas go up, but it was just light sprinkles, and then the umbrellas went down a couple minutes later. Game started about 5.45 instead of the scheduled 4.30. So an hour and 15, but it was well worth it. It was well, well worth it. Got to jam out, listen to all kinds of music to the buildup of the game. They had the concession stands flowing, got a water, was talking to some people, talked to James Maltino, a Hall graduate, saluted Chance Resetich, Brant Vanneman, Jimmy D'Angelo, all Hall graduates that were at the game, of course, members of the 2018 state championship squad from Hall. Fans were lined up everywhere. There was cars all along the fence, usually at Kirby Park. You don't really go to left field because that's where all the balls get hit. And as you will find out, there was five home runs in this game. Well, four home runs and a grand slam. And most of them went to left or left center. I think one went over the right field wall. But otherwise, it was all left field center. No cars got dinged up, at least not on initial impact. I think one bounced and then hit a car, but it was on the side, maybe a little little slight bodywork, but no shattered windows, no big dents in cars. That did not happen, thankfully. But it was a great game, great experience, great environment. Like I said, Marquette with the 13-8 victory. This is their fifth straight regional championship. Marquette and coach Todd Hopkins have been getting it done. Todd Hopkins, a legendary coach. That was another fantastic thing about this game. Todd Hopkins, Hall coach Tom Keegan, two of the best coaches in the Illinois Valley right now. And I, you know, not being here for the entire life of Illinois high school baseball, but from what I understand, two of the greatest ever. I mean, you got to put them in the top 10, top 15, and that's a long, long, long list of coaches. So, That just says a little bit about their legacy, a little bit about what they're able to do with high school athletes, high school baseball players, and getting the job done. Marquette definitely did that against Hall. Hall, fantastic season, just had some spots where they just couldn't get it going. But they started off. Hall took a 4-0 lead, scoring four runs in the bottom of the first, but then Marquette answers right back. They played three runs in the top of the second, four in the top of the third to take the 7-4 advantage. Then Hall goes on a string of solo home runs. Four home runs just from Hall, but all solos. Started in the bottom of the third with a huge monster shot from Alec Bulak. The way that came off the bat, it sounded like a gunshot, maybe a shotgun, and just went over the cars on the other side of the fence. Somebody had to get a measuring stick out. That's how hard he hit the ball. Cruising. Then Ricky Perez for Hall hits a dinger in the bottom of the fifth, cutting Marquette's lead to 7-6. Six inning came around. Marquette went off. 
the Crusaders scored six runs in the top of the sixth, capped off by a monstrous grand slam from senior Grant Waldron. Woo, man, that was a shot heard around the world. And as soon as it came off of his bat, the Marquette dugout ran. They just ran to home plate, ready for the guys to come across, ready for Grant to get there, and they just mobbed him. A great sight for high school sports. Man, the energy that was going on right there. Huge, huge shot. You saw Hall players and a coach or two put their heads down knowing like that was a dagger. And that ended up being the dagger that, you know, that was the game. That was the game for Marquette, really. But I can say how much it meant. But I got two other people that can say it just as well. Okay, a lot better. Let's hear what Marquette coach Todd Hopkins and the Grand Slam hitter himself, Grant Waldron, had to say about that monster shot and about the 13-8 regional championship victory for the Marquette Crusaders. Oh, let's start there. I mean, coming into this game, you guys had already played on Hall beat you. This is huge. I mean, you've seen the amount of people here. Like, everybody wanted to see this game. We knew what this game meant. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing. All the respect in the world for Tommy and his staff and, and Hall. I've known Tom for a long time. And, you know, both our dads were over in right field during the game. So that was probably tough on them, too. But going into the game, I knew how good they were. I would have never dreamed we could win a slugfest like that. I thought if we were going to win, it was going to be four to three, three to two, doing our thing, getting great pitching, and credit to our kids because that first inning, everything went right. When we got guys on second and third, and we couldn't get the ding thing in, any runs in, and then they come up and put a four spot on us. And the second inning, they showed some heart, and we were able to chip away, get get three. I think maybe they came back with one, and then then we got a couple. But it was it was yeah and. That was pretty neat, having that many people here for two local teams. I mean, both sides were awesome. Definitely. It was just a cool experience for the kids. You know, you were talking about, you know, the fortunate things you were able to do. It seemed like your defense was able to keep Hall from doing what they usually do. And, you know, they made four uncharacteristic errors. And they, I mean, they had back-to-back innings with the bases loaded. And you were able to stop anything. Those two innings, obviously, our pitchers did outstanding and defensively we made plays, but Brad did a great job calling pitches and keeping them off bay. It was almost like we were pitching backwards, where as a hitter you're thinking, okay, it's 3-2, I'm going to see a fastball. He'd go opposite, you know, and that, that kept them from hitting more home runs, I guess. But the kids came through in those two innings, and, you know, this guy here, the hit he had, unbelievable. Speaking of that hit, I mean, Hall has four solo home runs, one grand slam, I mean, equals all four. In your head, as they're hitting these grand, uh, home runs and kind of cutting it down a little bit, what are you saying to yourself and to the team? Well, I was hoping the rain would come after the fifth inning. I was just praying for the rain because I knew that they could swing it. Thanks, Eric. And then, you know, Grant came up. And just a little side story, this kid's been through hell the last two years. Injuries, he was going to be one of our best pitchers and messed his arm up, couldn't throw. Then hurt his foot last year in basketball, then came back this year, hurt his ankle, then like halfway through came back, banged his head off the chair, had 10 stitches, and it just and for him to just stick with it and then come up in a situation like that, I mean, unbelievable, unbelievable. I mean, that lead-in, all those injuries, everything that, you know, had happened to you, 
this moment's got to feel yeah. spectacular. It feels amazing. I mean, for the past two years, I've been watching people from the bench because of my injuries, and now it's, I can finally play, and it feels amazing. Definitely. Grant Waldron, you're a senior? Yeah. So again, I mean, this could have been your last game yeah. going against a team like Hall. Coming into this game, you knew what they were. I mean, you guys had already played them this year. Hall now is kind of a storied program. Everybody knows that they're good. You guys came in, were down 4-0, and ran away with it. Kept plugging away and did what you had to do. Yeah. They're, they're a really good team. I mean, they're solid all around. They can hit. They can field. And, I mean... There isn't much to say about it. I mean, they're just a, they're a good team all around. For sure. Winning a game like this, what kind of momentum does it kind of give you guys moving forward? I mean, they were the top seed, so now going on, you know, prove that you can beat anybody. Yeah, it, it gives us a ton of momentum. I mean, they're number one seed in our regional. If you look at max preps, they're ranked 25th in the whole state. I mean, it's anything can happen. Definitely. Speaking of anything that happened, I'm going back to that Grand Slam. Yeah. Was that your first ever? Oh, uh, that was my first ever Grand Slam, yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> first ever Grand Slam in a regional final, beat Hall. I mean, is this going to go probably a top moment? I mean, decide. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if I'm being honest, the last home run I had that went out of the park was eighth grade year. So, I mean, it's, it's a great feeling. Your team had already cleared out the dugout. They were waiting at home plate for you to come across and just mobbed you. Yeah, I mean, I haven't felt that in so long, and it, it felt great. I loved it. You deserve all the compliments that you got from your team and coach. I mean, to go through all the kind of stuff, uh, the ankles, the injuries, and to be able to do that, I mean, that's got to feel great, and congratulations to you and the team. Yeah, thank you. It was nice yeah. meeting you. Yeah, you too, man. Although Marquette had taken the 13-6 lead, the Red Devils weren't done. Like I said, Tom Keegan, great coach, going to keep his players in it. Plus, they're all competitors. This baseball team has been through a lot. The last season we had for high school baseball, they lost in a sectional final. Year before that, they were state champs. The year before that, they lost in a sectional final. So they're battle-tested. They're there, ready to play. They weren't giving up. In the bottom of the six, catcher Kyler Lapp hits a solo home run, cut the lead to 13-7. And then, which was kind of a surreal moment, four years of Trez Rabarczyk being an amazing athlete for Hall, year in, year out, a nominee for basketball player of the year in the area, nominee for baseball player of the year in the area, performs on a top-notch level in everything he does. No different in baseball, no different in this game. It's his last at-bat as a Hall Red Devil. And Trezor Barczyk smashes the ball over the Kirby Park wall for a home run. Surreal moment. Kind of had a feeling like this was it. He was the leadoff hitter in the bottom of the seventh. Then there was three outs right after him. There was kind of a chance that they could score the runs they needed and, you know, advance. That's what every coach, that's what every player on the Hall squad, the Hall roster wanted to happen. But with the way Marquette was playing, you know, that was very difficult. So just the environment, I'm watching everybody paying attention as Trezor Barczyk walks up to the plate and you just got that sense like, man, what is he going to do? Smashes a home run. That's what a top level player does. 
He took the moment and delivered. Delivered a shot over the fence. That was the eighth and final run of the game. Marquette winning 13-8. Let's hear what Tom Keegan had to say about this game. You know, it was a little difficult having these guys that he's had for so long. Trezor Barczyk, Alec Bulak. Final game, not the way they wanted it to happen. Let's hear Tom Keegan. I mean, you knew what you were getting into when Marquette beat Seneca, and they were coming here, and you had already played them, you beat them, but you knew this was going to be a tough game. Uh, yeah, certainly. And then we got a lot of respect for them, and uh, they played the game the right way, put pressure on us from the get-go, and you know, we booted a few, threw a few away, and uh, I haven't really looked at the book yet, but I think out of the 13, I think maybe three were earned, if I heard right, or then leaving guys on base, too. So, I mean, that was uh, that's a bad recipe when you go up against Marquette and you, you want to hang with them. It was kind of, I don't want to say uncharacteristic, but I've watched a lot of Hall baseball games, and there was four errors. I mean, there was back-to-back -back innings with the bases loaded. What was you know going on or different from you know this game compared to the rest? Not to get too philosophical or anything, but that's just the game sometimes. I mean, if it was easy, you'd score every inning. So I mean, it's, there are a lot of variables and factors and, that go into it. And uh, as much as we'd love to put numbers up on the board each and every inning, it didn't happen tonight. So, uh, but again, I think when you when you gift them that many, it makes it hard to play. Definitely, uh, pitching Peyton Plim starts. Jack Savage comes in and both struggled at times, but then both looked, you know, really good at times. Yeah, in the first inning, Peyton did a nice job just of leaving traffic on the bases and getting out of that, and I thought that was a big boost for us. And then we went and put four on the board, so um, bad thing is four on the lead against Marquette doesn't really mean a whole lot. So, I mean, you got to keep on tacking on. And, again, just defensively, we uh, really could not overcome ourselves tonight, and I think that's probably just the name of the game. You know, with this loss of the end of Treasure Barczyk's career and Alec Bulak and, you know, a couple other players that meant a lot to this program, what's that mean to you as a coach, you know, seeing them move on? Uh, that's a lot of stats that just walked away from this field tonight. So uh, big shoes to replace, and, you know, that's the way the things work. You don't get to keep kids forever, and kids coming in get a chance. So, But they have meant a lot. Um, you know, they did things the right way. They're good examples, I thought, for the other kids and yeah, they'll be missed. Didn't have the exact count of runners left on base when we spoke to Coach Tom Keegan. There was 11 left on for Hall. Also had the four errors that was mentioned. Marquette with no errors and six base runners left on. Hall finished the season 21-3. and Marquette is now 15-2. and Played a little less games. Everybody's season was different with COVID-19. But 15-2, and two, and they play today, Wednesday, June 9th, in Ottawa as they host Palos Heights in a Class 2A sectional semifinal. Palos Heights made it to the sectional semifinal by defeating Juliet Catholic 4-0. Great game. Hopefully you listened to it on WLPO. Hopefully you were there. Great time to watch some high school baseball. And we're in sectional semifinals now, so... Baseball probably going to get even better. Well, let's break down the other IHSA postseason action. And we're going to do this with help from Mendota Shimmer Ford, a community dealership that is here for you. As I was jotting down all the teams and results and accomplishments, updates, I was starring who one of the teams that we cover. We try to pay attention to 47 different high schools 
and of the high school still alive in the postseason, whether it was baseball regionals, softball, and girls soccer in sectionals. We had 15 victories altogether, 13 between baseball, softball, and soccer, and then the other two, the 14 and 15, I am putting for the two boys tennis sectionals where we had Geneseo win a sectional, and we had tennis players from another sectional go to state. So 15 altogether, let's break them down and see who they were. Class 1A baseball. These are all regional finals for baseball, 1A, 2A, 3A. So in 1A, sectional one, subsection two. Number two, Newman won a regional championship over number three, Fulton, 3-2. Talk about a tough game. Newman now advances to play the Warren Co-op at 4.30 today in Warren. Warren being the one seed. In sectional two, subsection one, St. Bede. Whoa. As Jeremy and I are calling the Hall-Marquette game, we're paying attention to Twitter, paying attention to what St. Bede is doing. They're playing Yorkville Christian in a 1A regional final and we're watching it. St. Pete is up 7-3. Then all of a sudden, Yorkville Christian is up 10-3. Then St. Bede scores 10 runs in the seventh inning. Talk about a clutch moment. Yorkville Christian scored one more, but St. Bede still wins 17-11. Woo! St. Bede, if you have Bill Booker on your sideline, he is in the same realm as Tom Keegan, same realm as Todd Hopkins. Bill Booker gets the job done, helps his team, puts him in the right spots to get W's, teaches them everything he knows about the game. They get a 17-11 win. Whew, I can't say whew, enough. Man, 10 runs in the seventh inning. That's not easy to do. So now the Bruins move on to play number four, Grant Park, 4.30 today at Grant Park in the sectional semifinal. In the second subsectional of the second sectional, yeah, that is a tongue twister, number one, Newark routed number five, Serena, 16-1. Newark now moves on to play Winteca at 4.30 today in Newark. Best of luck to them. Newark, a strong club as well. Another regional championship victory, but these are two teams we pay close attention to in the third sectional, first subsectional, number four, Anawan Weathersfield defeated number one, Putnam County, the upset victory for Anawan Weathersfield. They're moving on. Pitchers duel from what I understand, just strong defense, great pitchers, Anawan Weathersfield edges Putnam County. Now the Titans move on to play number three, Delavan, 4.30 today in Kiwani. In the second subsectional of the third sectional, number six, Roanoke Benson, fell to number two, Rova Williamsfield Co-op, 11-1. In 2A, first sectional, first subsectional, Princeton fell in a tough one to Rock Falls. Princeton was the top seed. Rock Falls, the number four. They won 8-3. In the second subsectional, Byron had a tough game as well. Same score, 8-3. The number three, Tigers, falling to number two, Stillman Valley. 
obviously broke this game down, but you know, we're highlighting everything else. Why not do it again? In the third sectional, first subsectional, number five Marquette defeats number one Hall, 13-8. Usually that would be an upset, but Marquette is not really upsetting anybody because they're not a five seed. They're a better team than a five. The Crusaders will crusade on as they play number two Palo Heights, 4-30 tonight in Ottawa. In the second subsectional of the third sectional, Cole City thumped Reed Custer 14-9. Cole City was the three, Reed Custer the two. Could call that an upset. Eh, if you want to, Cole City is a really good team. Now they will meet number one Mantino, 4-30 today in Mantino in a sectional semifinal. Class 3A, sectional two, subsectional one. Sycamore, the one seed, fell to Burlington Central Catholic, the five seed, 9-4. Dixon, staying true to their number two seed, defeated number six, Freeport, 14-4. This sets up a duel between Dixon and Burlington Central Catholic, 4-30 today in Burlington for a sectional semifinal. Subsectional two, Geneseo, the number five seed, upsets number one, Rockford Boylan, 5-3. The Maple Leafs will now play number three Hampshire in Geneseo. Good stuff for the Maple Leafs. Another strong team. Always has great athletes. Whew, man, I can't wait for the rest of this baseball postseason. I'm kind of like not really shaken, but I'm just like really anxious. I want to see what happens in these playoffs. So glad that they're here. Said that probably about three times already, but that just shows you how happy I am that this is here. Sectional five, first subsectional. Ottawa's season is over as number one Washington defeated number four Ottawa 3-1. Solid season from the Pirates. Washington just had a better game. In the second subsectional of the fifth sectional, Streeter lives to see another day as the number six Bulldogs defeated number two Dunlap 8-4. The Bulldogs moving on to see number four Morton 7 p.m. tonight. Got the night game in Morton. Lots of baseball teams advancing. A lot of awesomeness to pay attention to. Let's move on to softball. Class 1A Princeville sectional. In a sectional semifinal, Anawan Weathersfield, the three seed, fell 1-0 to top-seeded Rova Williamsfield co-op. Just got the better hand. One run ended the Lady Titans season. Good season for them, though, for sure. In the other sectional semifinal, Newman also fell to Princeville. Number seven, Princeville edged Newman 1-0, Newman being the four seed. In the Newark sectional, we had a couple winners here as number three, Marquette, defeated number one, Dwight. So an upset, 13-7 to move on to the sectional final where they will meet Newark. Newark thumped Milford. Newark the top seed in that subsectional defeating Milford 11-0. Marquette and Newark going to collide in the sectional final, 4.30 p.m. Thursday. Class 2A Olympia sectional, Kiwani, the number two seed, ran into a very tough number one as Olympia won the game in the sectional semifinal, 7-2. Olympia's last three games have been all real local teams. Kiwani in the sectional semifinal, St. Bede in the regional final, and Hall in the regional semifinal. In the Oregon sectional, 
Number two, Oregon stays alive, advances to a sectional final with a 4-3 win over number one, Richmond Burton. The Hawks will now play number four, Riverdale, 7 p.m. Thursday in Oregon. In the Bloomington Central Catholic sectional and a sectional semifinal, number one, Seneca, fell to number two, Normal University, 3-0. Big shout out to Brian Holman, who was a coach at Hall for quite a few years, won regional championships. It feels like every time he put a team on the field, went to Seneca, coached them into a number one seed. Maddie Carpenter, great pitcher, had a great season, just fell in a sectional semi. You know what happens? It happens, unfortunately. Always has to be a loser, which there wasn't, but then we would never have a champion, I guess. Anyway, great season for Brian Holman and Seneca. Girls soccer action still moving fluently as we are in the semifinals. The last podcast we talked about the quarterfinals. Now it's semifinal action. Class 1A Rockford Christian sectional. Number one, Princeton dominating, showing how good they are as they defeated number two, Rockford Lutheran 5-0. In another semifinal, number three, Oregon fell to number four, Rockford Christian 3-1. This sets up number one Princeton, number four Rockford Christian in the sectional championship Friday in Rockford. The time at the moment is to be announced. Number two Lamont sectional in a semifinal. Number two Morris could not beat number one Lamont as Lamont was victorious 3-1. In the 2A Freeport sectional, Dixon fell as well as top-seeded Freeport edge number three Dixon 2-1. Boys tennis action, sectionals were actually June 4th and 5th, setting up for the state tournament, which starts tomorrow, Thursday, June 10th, and will go on until Saturday. Class 1A, 1A Geneseo sectional, Geneseo wins with 21 points. Dixon took second with 13. Sterling had 12 points for third. There was a three-way tie for fourth as Mendota, Newman, and Rochelle all had four points. Advancing in singles, Sterling freshman Brecken Peterson, Dixon junior Lucas Healy, Geneseo sophomore Samuel Robinson, and senior Marvel Chang from Newman. In doubles, Geneseo had the top two doubles teams as seniors Mason Miller and Thomas Robinson advanced, and Geneseo sophomore Alex Slaymaker and senior Mason Smith are moving on to state. Dixon Jr.'s Logan Mueller and Leith Elbzar are advancing, as well as Mendota Jr.'s Logan Bradner and Andrew Stamberger. Class 1A Ottawa sectional. Metamora was victorious with a 35. Ottawa was second with 16 points. Streeter with 12 was third. There was a tie for fourth as Cole City and Morris had 10 points each. Princeton was fifth with eight. LaSalle Peru had seven points for sixth. And St. Bede and Pontiac tied for ninth with zero points. Advancing in singles was Streeter Jr., Davey Rashid, and Cole City Sr., Tyler Johnson. Doubles, LaSalle Peru, freshman Andrew Bullis, and senior Gavin Johansson. And senior Gavin Jonasson. Ottawa seniors Sam Walker and Regan Lindy. Congratulations to all them. Tennis is not easy by any means. 
and especially because there's only two classes. So little schools playing big schools, differential and talent, except for these guys. Getting to state, proving that they can play on a high level. That was the IHSA postseason breakdown brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership dedicated to being community first. After a miserable 2020 in every sense of the term, Mendota Shimmer Ford wants to make 2021 as amazing as possible with style, comfort, and great deals. Stop by and see the last 2020 Ford Escape at Mendota Shimmer Ford or come check out the many options on the lot as it has a huge selection, new and used vehicles, and there's tons, tons on the website as well, www.MendotaFord.com. Whether you shop online or at Shimmer Mendota Ford, located just south of Mendota on Highway 251, manager Ski Hartman and his associates, Jason Hintz and Doug Safranik, will use their expertise and understanding of the vehicle you're looking for to help you roll through 2021 just the way you want. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries at Shimmer Mendota Ford. Let's have a word with more of our sponsors. Much love to them, keeping us afloat, having fun with this Edge of Your Seat podcast, talking all kinds of local sports. We talk national sports. We talk everything that's not sports as well. Music, movies, things going on in the community, everything. And we couldn't do it without them. Also, couldn't stay in shape. Couldn't stay physically fit without LP CrossFit. Because let's face it, there's many, many, many reasons why we can't get into a gym. Time and work schedules. Lack of a support system. Maybe motivation is low. We don't want to be judged or criticized if not supporting a gym rat body. Injuries are physical restrictions. However, there is one place where these no's or maybes become yeses. LP CrossFit. LP CrossFit, located at the Prue Mall, across from Secret Nails, offers a weekly schedule of classes for any level of fitness. It's not one time, not just one day a week. There are many options and classes only last one hour. A support group, LP CrossFit is a diverse community focused on fun and hard work. All members know each other's names and support one another during workouts. Motivation, the trainers at LP CrossFit help you reach your goals and get into the best shape of your life with workouts of numerous movements, including body weight, gymnastic, and barbell. Everyone is guided or pushed at a productive and comfortable level. If you're an experienced athlete or getting your first taste of physical fitness, everyone is welcomed and viewed as equals. You would go at your own pace. You want to go hard? It's hello, how are you? Go get at it. Want a more relaxed approach? You'll receive the same welcoming. Hello, how are you? Go get at it. Injuries and mobility restrictions are a huge priority at LP CrossFit as all small group classes are coach-led and movements are infinitely scalable for all members. LP CrossFit opens all doors for everyone. Check out LP CrossFit on Facebook or at lpcrossfit.com. Then when you get done working out, you want to go home, you want to relax, you want to be comfortable, you want to sit in your chair, watch TV, listen to music, whatever you want to do. Maybe you even want to clean. But you want to clean a nice house and make it look even nicer. You could run into something you want renovated or changed or fixed. 
or you accidentally break something while you're cleaning because you're a cleaning maniac. Olson Construction can help you with this because they work hard to keep their customers happy with their home. Brothers Keith Milas and Tommy Olson will use their more than 10 years of experience to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. The licensed and insured family-owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty on any job. Whether it be roofing, siding, windows, doors, stairs, deck designs, floors and tiling, garage additions, room additions, or full remodels, Olson Construction can honestly do it all. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction at 815-910-5982. Check out the Olson Construction LLC page on Facebook or send an email to olsonconstruction19 at gmail.com. I think that's a pretty solid intro here. We got IHSA postseason stuff in. We got a big shout out to all the sponsors, the amazing businesses in the Illinois Valley in Shimmer, Mendota, Ford, LP CrossFit, and Olson Construction. Now, one thing left to do, got to get to our special, special, special guest, Sergeant Doug Burcham, 29 and a half years serving with the Spring Valley Police Department, and that's after serving our entire country in the military. Salute to him, salute to him for being on the show, everything that he has done for our country, our communities. Thank you, Sergeant Doug Burcham. Let's hear the amazing chat that we had with him. Until next time, peace. While I was at the bank today, at work, I heard sirens galore. I think there was a fire going on, so there was fire trucks. Somebody got pulled over right in front of the bank. And that sounds like a great, great, well, a kind of ironic situation for my guest today. We have veteran, now retired, Sergeant Doug Burcham with Spring Valley Police. He is on. How's it going, Sergeant Burcham? Going great. How are you doing today, Brandon? I am doing fantastic, and I thought about you pretty much all day because all I heard was sirens, and I seen policemen <laughs> and fire trucks, and I'm like, oh my, this is really, really weird because that's who I have on the show today. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, I was like, did he already come out of retirement? Like, it just happened, and he's already here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it happens that way sometimes. It sure does, sure does. So how many years were you with the Spring Valley Police Department? Actually, 29 and a half years and eight days. Wow, you counted every day. Yeah, I got it down to exact time that I served. Did you get it down to minutes and seconds? Uh, the last week I had it down pretty close to my how much time I had left for you know working my shifts. Gotcha, gotcha. So let's kind of go back to the beginning. We'll start right there. I mean, what made you decide, like, hey, this is the line of work I want to go into and uh, going to be a police officer, and you kind of work the ranks to, you know, be called a sergeant? As a little kid, you think about doing stuff. I thought about being a police officer a little bit. I joined the Marine Corps right out of the high school. I had a chance to go into MPs, but they wouldn't allow me. I was in artillery at the time. That kind of upset me. I wanted, you know, go to MPs. Well, my last year when I was getting ready to get out, I was in Okinawa, and they're like, hey, we heard, you know, you want to be a, you know MP, you want to go to the police department for the Marine Corps. He says, you know, re-up, we'll, we'll hook you up. And I'm, well, I was still kind of upset they didn't let me do it back two and a half years ago. I said, nah, nah, I said, I'm just going to go back home, go to college for a couple of years, and I'm going to be a police officer at home. 
And at the time, everybody's laughing. Oh, yeah, sure, you're going to do that. Well, <clears throat> sure enough, I came home, went to IBCC, which everybody calls, well, I don't know if they still do, Harvard on the Hill. Went there for two years, got my criminal justice degree. I actually graduated May of 91. I tested in May of 91 for Spring Valley Police Department. I got the call in October of 91. I became a police officer then with the city of Spring Valley. That is awesome. I don't want to date you here, but in October of 91, I was turning six years old. I believe it. Some of the people I work with is like 12 years old and, you know, getting ready to go in seventh and eighth grade. So I'm pretty much an old dinosaur, so it don't make me feel bad. <laughs> but, but, as a police officer, becoming an old dinosaur is kind of part of the job, isn't it? You get wiser, you know what you're doing a little more, and you're able to do the job a little better. Yeah, you learn a lot of things uh, through that many years. A lot of things have changed, you know, the laws and everything. And you work with a lot of different people, full-time and part-time. So, yeah, you just basically keep gaining knowledge throughout your career. And hopefully you know everything that you can, you know. For sure. I want to rewind a little bit when you were, you know, talking about how you first got into the police department. MPs, that's military police, correct? That's correct. Cool. And when you were in the military... You said the Marines, you went to Okinawa, that's Japan? Yeah, Okinawa, Japan. I actually, of course, I went to boot camp in MCRD San Diego. I first got stationed at uh, 29 Palms, California for two and a half years out in the middle of the desert. I got to go to the Philippines for a month. I got to go to Hawaii for a month. And my last year, I got sent over to Okinawa, Japan before I got out. So you were in Japan for a year? Yeah. Yes, Okinawa. Camp Foster. And around what year would that have been? Would that have been in 90? No, I would have been, uh, I think, April 88. I got. I left there April 89 before I got out. Okay. How was that experience, you know, being from the States and going to a weird country? It sounds like you'd already been to other places before, so you kind of knew things were different. But how was it in Okinawa and Japan, especially in, you know, late 80s? You know, it wasn't too bad. Back then, we had a pretty good relationship with the Japanese people. Uh, it was a little more different going to the Philippines because it was more wide open. And, you know, their towns were kind of a lot different than Okinawa. But Okinawa is very nice, of course, if you like the heat. And uh, it wasn't as humid there as it was in the Philippines. That's where it was really humid. But I actually enjoyed my time in Okinawa. I mean, come on. You're from Illinois. you got to be used to the humid, even back then. Compared to the Philippines, Illinois has nothing to show. Philippines, it was really bad. I lost 20 pounds in a month, as hot and humid as it was out. Now, Okinawa, it's basically like Illinois. You know, it's not as bad as the Philippines, so it wasn't bad over there. But it rains a lot there. Seems like a lot more than Illinois. 20 pounds in a month? Were you dieting, working out, or was it just because of the heat? Basically, the heat, we did do workouts and stuff. I was working like midnight, so... I mean, it's just hot all the time. We lived in Quonset Huts back then. All they had was a big fan, you know, at one end of the Quonset Hut. So he went and took a shower, tried to wipe off. And he sweat more than and wetter then than when he was in the shower. So it was, yeah, it's kind of hard not to lose weight over there. Even if you, you know, partake of alcohol or anything else, you still lost weight. Wow, wow. So it's kind of like you were wearing a scuba suit, but you were never in the water. Seemed like it most of the time, yeah. I was in the National Guard, and we called our duties, you know, MOSs. Is that what they call them in the Marines as well? Well, that would be our job as MOS. And like I said, I was in artillery. I was a 
0844 is the fire direction controlman. Uh, we had these little computers called backup computer systems, bucks. We worked up all the data. That's when, before we used to do it on grids and azimuths. Worked up in this computer, sent it down to gun line. We was actually, when you got, if you wanted the older Marines in it, you actually had the headset and you told the gun line, get ready to fire and you tell them to fire. So that's, that's kind of neat. I got to do that a lot. Okay. Were you ever in any battles, any wars, any gun-drawn kind of situations? No, 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 not in the military, no. Uh, it, was, it was before Operation, I believe, Freedom broke out first in 91. I never got recalled. One of my buddies that was, actually, he was in the infantry, but he played with the Marine Corps band throughout his career. He did get recalled and went down to North Carolina at Camp Lejeune for like three or four months. Uh, they never done that. They just basically done stuff around on the base. But he did get recalled, but I never did. Nothing like that. Gotcha. So you were kind of like in the middle of things, like when things yes. weren't really brewing up. Yeah, I guess I could say I was pretty lucky. <laughs> what was the reason that you joined the Marines, and what was kind of your favorite aspect of being a Marine? Uh, probably the biggest aspect of being one to be a Marine. My dad was a Marine, and you know you want to be like your father. And that's what I want to do. And I think the, the way people look up at the Marine Corps, I'm not putting down any other, you know, uh, branches of service, but people look up the Marine Corps and the way they look and the way they act, it just, you know, I believe they're head and shoulders over the rest of them. That, that's the way I look. I'm not, like I said, I'm not cutting down any other branch of service, but that's what I wanted to be a Marine. They're the best. That's the way I look at it. So your dad joined, you were a Marine, any other family members, Marines, or in the military? Well, as of right now, my son Simon Bertram, he's in the Marines right now, he uh, joined up, he left uh, October 5th, went, of course he had a quarantine for two weeks at a hotel, went through boot camp at uh, San Diego MCRD, just like me and my dad, and he, uh, of course, couldn't get no leave, went to infantry school at Pendleton for four more weeks. Right now he's at uh, in Missouri at Fort Leonard Wood going through a motor transportation school. And he's set to graduate next Monday, actually. And uh, we'll be picking him up hopefully next Monday in Peoria at the airport. I'm seeing him for the first time in seven months. Oh, that's fantastic. So there's three generations of Marines in your family. Yes, three generations. I guess we couldn't figure it out <laughs> to join some with other branch. So, yeah, we're all Marines. Oh, that's awesome. How did it feel for you as a father to have Simon decide that he wanted to be a Marine? Well, i got to be honest, I was, pretty, I was a little scared at first. The pride outdone the, you know, being scared. He uh, decided to go in the reserve, so he's going to be going through the reserves with Peoria. So me and my dad are full-time, and he'll be a reservist for the next five years. So, you know, he still has a chance to get recalled and go somewhere, but makes me feel a lot better, though, that he's going to be around here. You know, as being an active member of the Marines in the 80s and then now having your son, you know, join in 2020s, what are the main differences or the challenges that are different that you see? I think there's a lot more hotspots throughout the world and they get recalled a lot, you know, not just for hotspots, but to help other countries out. He has a chance he could be recalled to go somewhere. You know, I know a lot of my, my friends have gotten called to go other places, so I think that's the scariest part. You don't want nobody to die especially in any of the branches of service, but especially when it's your son, you're a little more weary and a little more scared for his safety. 
I definitely wish him the best. He is actually how I linked up with you. I saw him post, you know, congratulations to my father, 29 and a half years in the Spring Valley Police Department. He's retiring. Congrats. And I was like, oh, I need to reach out. I got to talk to this guy. Yeah, that's what he told me. Yeah, he did hook me up pretty good on his Facebook page, so I was really uh, happy about that. You always wanted to be a police officer, whether it was in the Marines, and then you get out and you join Spring Valley. 29 and a half years, I mean, what kept you in it? What made you every day wake up and be like, hey, I'm going to work, I'm going to be there tomorrow and the next day, and what made you keep going at it? You know, it's, it's just something you love. you got to have a job that you love. I mean, some days you don't like it. Most of the time you loved it. And the people, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of good people in the world, especially the children. Uh, you know, that's who I'm going to miss most, seeing the children and, you know, talk to them, and especially in the schools that we walk through. It's just just the people, and you have good partners. That's just something you want to do. I didn't think I'd ever do it for 29 and a half years. But, you know, along you go along in your career, you just keep going and, you know, you're going to try to hit for miles, so I want to try to hit for 30, but, you know, it just didn't work out that way. Something you love, and you keep doing it. While you're in the police department, do you guys kind of, like, break up different duties and you're doing different things each week, or is every single day different? Well, every single day is different. Uh, I mean, it all depends on what your rank is. You could be giving orders for people to do different stuff, or you could be receiving orders. You know, there's stuff put on the board by the chief or the sergeants. You have to follow through and do, you know, special things each and every day for a while. But it changes. But, you know, basically every day is a, not really, I can't say the same because not every day is the same. But generally what you have to do, the patrol procedures and everything, you follow what you have to do, go through the schools and stuff. That would stay the same. But, of course, that was, you know, a lot different back in 91 than now. we never done that stuff. What were some of your favorite things, you know, about being a police officer on the job well of course helping people out when they're in need even if you're just unlocking their car you know they're very happy uh they have some kind of crime you know say something was stolen or something you find the perpetrator the criminal you arrest people for them uh like i said dealing with the children uh especially you know we walk through the schools every day patrol around them uh, i really got close to the the deeds class at hall the special skilled class at gfk i Basically, I'd see them all the time, talk to them. Around the holidays, I'd, I'd bring candy for them, little treats, especially ones at GFK. So, you know, I, that's what I'm going to miss, seeing the kids out on the streets, talking to them, giving them police stickers, trying to get them to, you know, like the police and respect the police. Maybe 10 years down the road, you know, if they're having children or even themselves, they're respecting the cops and not, not disliking the police like a lot of people do nowadays. Well, I was going to ask a question before that, but we'll get right to that since you bring it up. I mean, the perception of a police officer, especially in small town, rural places like Illinois and, you know, things like that. It's kind of like a love-hate relationship. You either love policemen and, you know, think they're doing their duties and taking care of the community, serve and protect. And then you have the other ones like, hey, they're just not doing anything, just trying to get DUIs and, you know, not doing a good job and just kind of picking on people. As a police officer, I mean, what do you guys think of these perceptions? Well, we do whatever, you know, police officer does. We respect people and we deal with them. I treat them like human beings. That's what they are. A lot of people love the police and respect the police, still do, especially in the smaller towns. But there's a lot of people, like you said, they don't, they disrespect us, they don't like us, call us names. Uh, you just 
you know, let that go in one ear and out the other. A lot of people that don't like us, they've either been arrested by police or, you know, the family members have been arrested by police. And that's one of the reasons they don't like us. They think we're bad for doing that. Now, a lot of situations in the big cities, especially Chicago, a lot of the bad stuff that happens, there's a lot of bad apples in every job that's, you know, everybody works. And when that happens, well, of course, it's to the forefront. A lot of cameras, a lot of phones taking pictures. So there's a lot of, only a few people, bad ones, and it rolls downhill. You know how, like, shit rolls downhill to people that are lower. That's what happens, I feel, like the rest of us officers. Everybody starts seeing that, what they're doing in the big cities, and they think that's the way we are. Well, we're not. You know, we respect people. We take care of people. That's what we're there for. We want everybody to think of them, us, as their friend. And come to talk to us if they need to, especially the children. It seems like the last few years there has been all kinds of media attention and criticism about police officers, especially with deaths, uh, the Floyd incident where the officer was just found guilty last week. Was there you know, I guess backlash or, you know, things coming towards places like Spring Valley or, you know, rural places instead of places like Chicago and big cities. Did you guys feel any of that impact? Well, I think uh, with that stuff, even when the police officer at fault, which, you know, I'm not going to say one way or another, because that's everybody's decision, but he got found guilty and that's, he screwed up. You know, so I think that makes our job harder when they're always showing police doing the bad things. Hey, how about showing the police that do the good things? How about them officers that do a lot of good every day, helping people and saving people and risking their lives for people? So it trickled down this way. I, I don't think it was all that much effect, but because you're always going to have people that dislike the police, that'll just make them think worse about the cops because you're seeing it, you know, all the time on TV in Chicago. That's that's not the way. I say ninety percent of the people around here like the police and respect the police, but. No, you're always going to have that 10%, and that's just the way it is. I asked you if you were any, you know, situations, gun drawn kind of stuff in the military. Were you ever as a police officer? Uh, you know, drawing a gun sometimes, going in searching buildings. Uh, I never had to actually draw down on anybody or pull my taser out on anybody. Never really had that many problems with people. You know, you had to get scrappy with them, a few, you know, here and there when they could try to get out of control. Uh, but I know I never had to pull my gun. Thank God, you know. You know, you hope you never have to do that or shoot somebody in your career. And I safely made it through twenty nine and a half years without having to do that. That says a lot about the community, Spring Valley, Illinois Valley, for sure. Yeah, it's a, you know, there's some like I said, there's a lot of good people. There, of course, there's some bad people. It runs in you know streams. You don't see but somebody for six months, and all of a sudden you're dealing with them for six or seven months. They're just causing the same problems they did, you know, six months ago. Then all of a sudden, they're gone for six months. It's like runs in a circle. But, yeah, there's a lot of good people here, so, you know, I can't deny that. Military, you know, police department can't really dive into details, but is there any kind of weird, crazy, insane story that you have as a police officer with Spring Valley? Well, there's a few. I mean, we get some goofy calls. We don't have an animal control officer, so we get called for all kinds of goofy animal calls. Snakes, I've been to snake calls. Snakes are in this guy's crawling through his engine, and he wants to do something. There's a snake. There's actually a rattlesnake up on, uh, I guess it would be the northeast side of town. Rattlesnake was actually crawling down a, like a barbed wire on this fence. We've been called for skunks, raccoons, 
possums, woodchucks, just all kinds of things. They, they want us to catch them, get them out of their house, which a lot of times we have to. I mean, we've gotten, you know, big uh, hedgehogs and possum out of a tub one time. I mean, some stuff, I mean, I can't talk about is, you know, goofy. And you have some days like, what the heck is this? You just can't believe some of the calls and some of the reasons why people would even call the police for what the, why they do it. But, you know, all in all, yeah, it's, you come up with a lot of crazy stuff sometimes. Bet you and the guys got a, a lot of jokes and stuff when you're sitting around <laughs> listening to some of these stories. Oh, yeah, we, we have a lot of good talks, I'll tell you. Like I said, some of them I can't really say, but yeah, we, we're just, we can't believe some of the stuff people call us for. It's like, well, what are you calling us for? It just don't make sense. You know, if their their pipes are breaking or we've been called to houses, the pipes are breaking, we got to turn water off and stop. It's like, hey, we're not plumbers. Well, you know, we, we always come and try to assist and help them out. You know, if we need to call somebody, we get somebody called for them and, and I'll just go from there. And for most of the time when you were there was... Kevin Sangston, the chief of police? Uh, when I first started, Kevin would have been a patrolman for about two and a half years before me. Uh, he raised up in the ranks, he became a sergeant, then he would have been my fourth uh, chief when he uh, became chief and then he retired. Then, of course, I had another chief after. I ended up with uh, five different chiefs I worked for. But he was one of them, yeah. He was my fourth chief, and me and Kevin spent 29 and a half years together. Gotcha. I only bring him up because I know him through Hall Baseball because he was an assistant coach for when they right. went and won the state championship. I think he still, I think he still coaches, to be honest with you. Yep, he's still there. Yep. I don't see him very often anymore, but yeah, I, I knew he was still doing that. I see him once in a while. And I bring up Hall Athletics, of course, Chief Sankston assistant coach for the Hall baseball team. Simon just graduated a couple years ago. Was he on that team or Hall sports teams? Uh, Simon played football. Then he got a concussion. He's done with that. He was a bowler. Went state his freshman year. And uh, he done track in the spring. He actually uh, threw the shot and just like I used to back in the 80s at Western High School. And he actually made it a state in the shot put his last year, senior year. Actually made it on his last throw. Made the, made the distance that he needed to make. And he, he went to state in the shot put, so... Him and my dad both went state in the track, and I never made it, so I guess that's how it goes. <laughs> I actually remember seeing him down there for a track. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty excited. Me and my dad was there at Bureau Valley High School, and was down to his last throw, and I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, what, Dad, what if you don't make it? And he's like, well, son, if you don't make it, you don't make it. I go, yeah, but I'm not ready for him to be done. And that last throw, he threw, he had to throw, I think, 47 feet, and he threw 48 and a half, and well, I, bet I jumped three feet off the ground, and we had a big, you know, Bertram hug after that. And actually, the the guy that was uh, in charge of the shot put that day, taking the, the distances, believe it or not, back in, when I was a sophomore, he was my sophomore football coach. And he, he came over, he goes, I don't know who's more excited, you or Simon, because you jumped like three feet in the air. I didn't know you could jump that high. I said, yeah, me neither. I'm getting kind of old. So, yeah, I was pretty happy. That's awesome. Who was the uh, the line guy? Ken Wilcoxon. He used to be a, actually a referee for a long time in the area. I don't know if you know him. I do. I do. Yeah, he's a good guy. I, I enjoyed Ken as my coach. He was a he's a pretty good guy. Good stuff. Good stuff. And what year did Simon graduate? Uh, 2017. Yeah. So he'd be out. Yeah, be four years. He's been out. Time flies, right? Yeah, it makes me feel older. You know, he went to college for two years. It's 
an IBCC two and uh, got his criminal justice degree, and then you know he went in the Marine Corps. So yeah, it's I'm feeling pretty old. He just turned uh, 22 on April 15th. That's actually the day I chose to be my last day of actual on the books as as a being a police officer. That's why I chose that day. Oh wow! So that day means something to you? Yeah. Yep. Besides retired, and, yeah, I meant a little more. So that's why I decided to do it that way. It sounds like he is like following in your footpath completely. Yeah, he seems to be. Uh, I told him, I said, now it's a little different story being a police officer. You know, it's changed a lot in 29 and a half years. But, you know, if he wants to still be a police officer and try to go in to be one, I'll support him 100%. You mentioned Western High School for you. Where exactly is that? Uh, well, of course, it's no longer a high school, it's part of Bureau Valley. And the high school is situated in Buda. Of course, at the time, the grade school and the junior high was in Sheffield. So it was used to be called Buda Sheffield Western. We had a lot of good, uh, actually in 74, 75, or 75, 76, our basketball team made all the way to state. There's undefeated both years. And I think 76, we got fourth place in the Class A basketball tournament. Were you on the team? Uh, I'd have been like seven years old, eight years old. So. <laughs> oh, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> no, I remember watching it. The funny thing is, it went two years back to back. And the first year, I think it's 75, we wanted to go and watch them. Of course, down to Champaign-Urbana, the Assembly Hall. My dad's like, no, 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 you know, if we go again, we'll go. They make it again, we'll go. Well, lo and behold, they came next year, they made it. But we never made it down there, so I that was just, you know, trying to blow us off. I think, no, we'll go and they do it again. Well, thinking he probably thought they'll never do it again. Well, next year, yeah, they was undefeated and got fourth place, but we, he never took us down there, so. <laughs> and you've mentioned quite a few times, what is your father's name? Uh, Don. Or Don was his name, but he goes by Don, yeah. He lives in Sheffield, actually. And my mom and my sister and her family still live in Sheffield, so. I try to get back there quite often. I got a lot of relatives still in the area. Okay. And then you're in Spring Valley? Yes. Been here since I moved here in 95. Did you play any sports in school when you did get there? Yeah, my big sport was football, but I done basketball. Actually, my last year track three years. And uh, football, I was pretty good. I uh, got first conference linebacker and guard my senior year. Actually, at IBCC, had contacted my coach about coming there because IBCC still had football at the time, but he basically told them, you know, I joined the Marines. And actually when I was in 29 Palms, I did play one uh, one season for the Marines on the base of 29 Palms, but with artillery, we was, in, we was out in the desert most of the time, two out of four weeks, so I only got to play in a few games, but I did play softball in the Marine Corps too, here in it, uh, Okinawa, but after the high school, yeah, basically my two favorite ones are track and football, but football is... My, really my favorite. I got the defensive point record. I actually was athlete of the year my senior year. I shared with my, my best friend. I won like uh, as best in football. I got uh, basketball as most improved track. I got best uh, field events. So I reaped uh, hardware that year, it seemed like. Nice. And what was your best friend's name? Tim Williams. He lives in Princeton. Gotcha. Stay in touch? Yeah, we do actually. That's always cool when you got those high school friends that, you know, later in life can still contact and still have that friendship. Oh, yeah, we still have the old talks about the old football, about practices and the games. And there's a few of them around, but he's about the only one I really stay in contact with. And sometimes we, you know, we go a few months, 
without talking to each other, but then we always get back in touch, so it's good knowing he's over there if I need to talk to him. After going to the military and checking out all these different places in the world, did you ever think you were going to come back and stay here? I know you said that you know you want to be a police officer, and they wanted to let you be an MP, and you're like, hey, I'm going to go home and be a police officer. Fast forward 30 years, did you really think that this is where you were going to be? I didn't know if I'd end up in the area. You know, I, I took the test actually from Girl County a couple of years before I took the test here and actually got on their list, but... You know, they can pick and choose on their list, unlike, you know, a city. And I just happened to, you know, Spring Valleys came up, I took it. And I said, oh, you know, I, they called me dies like second or third on the list. And they came down to me in October because one guy had left, went to LaSalle. And then I was like, you know, I got hired. And I remember my grandma, who was alive at the time, my aunt, they were both like, they is upset. Oh, no, you can't go to Spring Valley. That's a bad town. That's a bad town. And. Of course, Spring Valley does have a reputation for being probably the, the worst town back then in Bureau Valley. Seemed, or, I'm sorry, Bureau County. seemed like we, for a while, uh, we were like the murder capital of Bureau County because, you know, we had a lot of murders back in that area that time. So they was all worried about me, but I'm like, nah. And, you know, I came down, started my job, and, of course, you're scared time here and time there, but you don't think about it at the time. You think, you know, afterwards. But I never thought I'd get somewhere this general area and, be able to raise my children, you know, close enough to my mom and dad where we can see them all the time when we want to. So it worked out kind of nice for me. Not know that about Spring Valley, that there was murders back in the day. Oh, yeah, there's there's a few of them. Well, I never well, heard of that. Probably through my career, we probably had four or five or six. But between us and Princeton, because Princeton had a few too, but that's some distinction you don't want to think about. Or enjoy, that's for sure. Definitely. Things that you try to forget, have to deal with it while you have to, and then try to forget it. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff you want to forget. There's a lot of good things you always want to remember, so, you know, that's a good thing. All right. Is there anything that we wanted to talk about that we didn't? The only thing I want to say is uh, we go to ambulance calls. We used to, of course, before the pandemic, we used to go to every ambulance call. But, of course, now, unless, you know, we don't go to every call because of the pandemic, you know, unless it's chest pain, something like that, shortness of breath. Uh, there was one winter, and we got called up to Webster Park for a guy. Crew actually wanted me to check him out for a hit-and-run accident. I'm talking to the guy, and the crew officer comes over there to talk to him. It's snowing bad. It's probably three inches on the ground. So I, I leave, and the crew officer is going to take him back to the station and talk to him. I get down by a tasty freeze, get called for ambulance, right back to the same house that I was at for a subject not breathing. So, of course, I go flying back up there as fast as I can in the conditions, get up there, and, and the guy's not breathing. So me and the crew officer start CPR on him. We was able to resuscitate him and save him. So that was one happy thing. Uh, of course, we've lost a few doing CPR. Uh, actually, a 13-year-old girl, that really hit me hard. Uh, me and her dad done CPR on her. She had a pacemaker. They said she's probably deceased. Unfortunately, before she even hit the ground, but that was kind of hard to take. Of course, uh, with a Narcan now, had a guy downtown, shot him with two two cans of Narcan, brought him back to life. So there's a lot of good things, a lot of bad things, but you always, you know, concentrate on the good things. So you're legitimately a lifesaver. Yeah, I actually uh, had a pin. I got a accommodation from the Ryan Brad, who was running 1033 at the time. I bought a pin that says CPR save. So, yeah, that's kind of neat. That made you feel good. And the guy was real thankful, of course. 
you know, and uh, yeah, he was he was a nice guy. Not a lot of people can say that they saved somebody's life, so <laughs> thank you. No, you know, it'd be have to be police officers, firemen, or you know, nurses and doctors. That that'd be you know, unless it's a good Samaritan, which that happens too. But yeah, so yeah, you know, I live here in Spring Valley. My wife Julie and we got a cat, Snowflake, and me and her be celebrating our ninth anniversary here in August. So we love the city. I wouldn't move out of it. And I'm not going to move on. But I'll still support the police department. Like I said, I might go back there in a few months, work part-time. And hopefully I can. But for right now, I'm just going to be a bum for a couple months. Fishing with my dad. He's 82. And my son comes home, hanging out with him. And me and Julie be doing some car shows with my show cars this summer, hopefully. Show so cars? What, do you, uh, what kind of cars do you have that you show? Actually, I got a 87 Camaro IROC. This has got 63,000 miles. It's all original. And I actually got my first car I ever bought. Actually, my mom and dad bought it. I bought it from them, a 1975 Grand Prix. And it's all chromed out. And I show both of them. That's got 101,000 miles on it. Oh, wow. So you got some legit throwback vehicles. Yeah, yeah, they're both pretty nice. Uh, not going to brag, but that IROC is pretty dirty when I got it. But I keep cleaning and cleaning the engine. Right now, you can eat off the engine. That's how clean it is. All right, what's for dinner? I'll come over and test your theory. <laughs> Hot dogs, how about that? I'm working right on the engine block. <laughs> we'll just have a barbecue, sort of say, off of a car. Yeah, that'd be good. But maybe, maybe you'll see me around in some of the car shows of cruisings this year. I don't know if you hit them or not. Every once in a while, I'll go to one. Yeah, yeah, we enjoy it. It's a lot of good. You meet a lot of good people, that's for sure. Awesome. How long have you been doing that? Oh, uh, probably at least what. 2015, nah, probably about 18, 20 years, probably. Okay, so quite a while. I actually, remember, the Marine Corps, I showed my Grand Prix in Buda in 1984. I still got the gash plaque from Buda from 1984. I took my Grand Prix over there. That was my first car show. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah. 1984, I wasn't even born yet. Yeah, I would have been 17, so it was just before, before it was been the summer, probably the summer before I went in the Marine Corps. Okay. Yeah, so. So you definitely got a love for vehicles. Yeah, I, I really like it. We, like I said, we enjoy it. Good times. You have a couple cocktails, talk to all your friends, and yeah, and just enjoy it. You got a lot of people coming up talking to you about your cars, you know, liking them, and it makes it all worthwhile. I actually asked my wife to marry me at a car show in Peru, and then the following year, we got married at the last Spring Valley car show downtown that the firemen put on. So that's, that's how much we love car shows and the people that's around us. Wow, and she was part of it too. She was okay with that. Oh yeah, she loves going to the shows. She she wholeheartedly loved it and she supports it. And Yeah, she likes going. I can't get her to clean my cars too much, but I guess that's a drawback. <laughs> it, but it's, it's lucky I found actually a woman that loves me as much as she does and loves my cars as much as she does that we can go to car shows. Oh, that's so, fantastic. Yeah. Probably behind my back she don't say that stuff, but who knows? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? As long as she goes, like, that's what matters, right? Yeah, that's, it's hard to find somebody that wants to do something like that. We, we really enjoy it. Well, Sergeant Bertram, every single guest that joins Edge of Your Seat Podcast, we play a game. We are going to do some hot potato. I'm going to throw you two objects, people, places, things, and you pick which one you like the best. Am I gonna get scored on this or something? No, no scoring. All right. All right. I mean, I can give you some gloves if you think the questions are gonna be too hot. 
Well, I don't know. I'll have to tell you that after the fact. <laughs> All right. Well, don't get burnt. I mean, you just if I think get tired. I'm going to I'm gonna, gonna say, hey, I want to redo that with gloves on. <laughs> all right, all right. Because, I mean, you made it safely through 29 and a half years of being a police officer and the Marines, so right. I don't want to get you hurt playing hot potato. I hope that that don't happen. <laughs> I'll look like a fool in front of everybody. <laughs> we'll start with college football or NFL professional football? NFL. Chicago Bears or Green Bay Packers? <laughs> Hands down, Chicago Bears. Is that your favorite team? Oh, yes, it is. We're definitely more friends than we were a minute ago. I love the Bears as well. There you go. There you go. Too bad for Green Bay Packer fans. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago Cubs or Chicago White Sox? The Cubs. Number one team. Ford or Chevy? Chevy, man. Although I do own a Ford, but Chevy. Plus, I own two Dodgers and a Pontiac, so... Okay, Dodger Pontiac. Pontiac. Pontiac or Chevy? Still going Chevy? I go Pontiac since I've had that since I was 15. Definitely, definitely. Truck or car? Car. I don't know how much sightseeing you got to do, but Hawaii or the Philippines? Oh, Hawaii, definitely. Is Hawaii the nicest place you've been? Yes. It was a little cold there. It was like in November, but I still got uh, Waikiki Beach and what in the ocean there. It was beautiful sand, beautiful water. Of course, it was cold, but yeah, Hawaii, definitely. Bud Light or Miller Light? Uh, neither one. Keystone Light. How about that? Wow. Keystone. <laughs> That's the beer that I drank in college all the time, and then when I got older, I was like, I'm never drinking that again. Oh, hey, it's just a, just a cheaper version of Coors Light. That's all it is. It's made by the same people. That is true. That is true. But nobody ever thinks about that, but that's what I always tell them. And they give me BS about it. Turkey or ham? Ham. Hot dogs or brats? Brats. Chicken or steak? Steak. We'll go hall colors because that's where your son played. Simon, red or black? I go red. Although my Mike's colors are black and white for Western, but I like red. I was just going to go with Burrow Valley colors because I didn't know Western colors, but they were black and white? Black and white, yes. I like the black better. Did you look like the Raiders? Uh, no, not really. But we looked pretty cool. They're, they're pretty sharp. We had a ram head on the side of our helmet because we was uh, Western Rams. But yeah, they look pretty good. In fact, I'm looking at a picture right now of me and my mom and dad at senior night. Yeah, black. the black looks pretty good. I had my black uniform on and the... We did have, uh, of course, stars and skulls on our helmet. Of course, I was, uh, I was a captain my senior year, so I got to put a skull right out of the middle of my front of my helmet. So, 80s music or 90s music? Oh, 80s definitely. Hair bands, yeah. Oh, you were a hair band guy? Yeah, I loved them. Still listen to them. Them and the Beach Boys. That's my favorite. Motley Crue or Guns N' Roses? Motley Crue. Aerosmith or Rolling Stones? Uh, that'd be a tough one. I really don't care all that much for them, but probably Rolling Stones. They got a lot better, lot better songs I like. Poison or White Lion? Ooh, I like White Lion, but I think I have to go with Poison. They got a lot more songs. But you know, you probably didn't think I was going to know White Lion, did you? No, I thought you would. I was, I was actually thinking that you would be surprised that I did. <laughs> yeah, when the children cry, that was a. That's kind of a tearjerker. 
For sure. I listen to all kinds of music, and especially like I try to... I was born in 85, so I kind of miss the hair bands, but... Really? So I graduated in 85, so what's that tell you? <laughs> <laughs> but thanks to VH1 and MTV back in the day when they actually played music videos, I did... Yeah, exactly. They don't do that nowadays, that's for sure. No, they don't. They should. Yeah, that's sad. And one more, just because I'm a music guy, sounds like you're a music guy, Tom Petty or Phil Collins? Uh, I like them both, but I'll probably... Uh, probably Phil Collins more when he's with his band. Genesis? Genesis, yeah. In there tonight, that was one of my favorite songs of his. Definitely. That's a good one. It's totally good. Yeah. Teddy's okay. I like a lot of his songs too, so. It'd be a toss up, but I'll go with. Yeah. Oh, I chose. Now, ask me Beach Boys and anybody, and I'll choose the Beach Boys. That's your favorite of all time? Yeah, I've seen them in a the concert five times. Wow. Yeah. I actually seen them the first time in 78. My uncle took me down to Illinois State Fair. And he got me hooked on him. And my wife, I got her, I think I got her hooked on him. We've seen him two or three times together. So it might be six times I've seen him. And of course, when it came to the Bureau County Fair a few years ago, all of us went, me and her, Simon, and my other son, Morgan. And we got like, we was like three rolls back, so it was great to see him. Of course, it wasn't all the original members, but that don't matter. No, as long as it's the same music, that's it. Yeah, the Beach Boys are Beach Boys to me. Definitely. I was going to ask you that question earlier when we were talking about Simon. You have other children? Yeah, I have a son, Morgan. He's, he'll be 20. Well, he'll be 26 in November. He lives in Lad. Works at uh, Planet Fitness. So he's a big workout guru. Does he try to whip you in shape? No, he knows you better not try that. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Sergeant Bertram, thank you very, very much for, first, your services definitely appreciated and joining edge of your seat podcast this has been an awesome conversation thank you very much i appreciate you letting me come on your show and hopefully i didn't make too much of a fool of myself and i just want to thank all the people and everybody i work with in spring valley enjoy 29 and a half years let the cops know a lot of people out here still love and support you so be safe everybody be safe